0: You know, trust is going to be a component of what we talk about today, actually a big part. And just out of curiosity, how many of you, you know, like some of those in the video, have five people, which is a handful, five people that you completely trust in your life? Five people. Show of hands. All right, let's to get more hands up. Four people. Three people. All right. Think of those three to five people in your life. And the question is this, do you trust them to tell you hard things? Do you trust them to have your back? Maybe more so. If you trust them to tell you hard things or difficult truths, when's the last time they shared something like that with you? You know, trust is one of those interesting things, and we'll talk more about that today, but it's going to be integral in our dealings with God. You see, there's so many things that that God says in the Scripture that are just words unless we actually trust that they're true and trust that they're true for us. Repeatedly in scripture, God, for example, says this, that he has promised over and over and over to meet your needs. How many think that's cool, just that he meets their needs? Okay, some of you are participating today, that's excellent. But as you go through scripture, he says all kinds of things, that I'll meet your needs, emotional needs, financial needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, relational needs, every kind of need that you have in your life. Now, it doesn't say greeds, right? But it says needs. Over and over, God says, I'll meet your needs if you trust me. In fact, one of the great promises in Scripture he gives in Philippians 4.19 where he says this, My God will supply all that you need from His glorious resources in Christ Jesus. Again, that's a pretty blanket statement, isn't it? He just kind of makes the statement. He puts it out there, puts it in His Word. It's in writing. You can now go back to Him every time you're praying to Him. God, you promised to meet my needs here. He says, I'll meet your needs. And you start asking, well, what does that include? Well, it includes everything, right? All our needs. But the problem is you start to look at this a little bit too carefully. Well, actually, that's what we do. We, 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 we examine things. And you look around and it's obvious pretty quickly that not everybody's needs are being met. That's pretty fair. In reality, many times, our needs go unmet. That's why we keep praying for the same things. We keep praying that God would hear, that He would pay attention. And so you start asking, well, what's the problem? Why are my needs not being met? Is God lying to me? Is He exaggerating the point? Is He just saying something that sounds real nice, but, you know, isn't true? I mean, why is it that sometimes my needs aren't being met? I think this is a real question that a lot of us sometimes struggle with. Sometimes I think we get confused between our needs, actual needs, and the greeds of our life. But I think when they are actual needs, we sometimes wonder, if you've promised this, where is it? You know, the Bible tells us over and over that with every promise, there's a condition. Or with every promise, there's a premise that goes along with it. And one of the conditions for this particular promise, and we all thought it was cool that he met our needs, for this particular promise is that you actually have to trust him. And then we go back to the video and we uh, go back to what trust is. Where we can hear hard things, you know, you notice the Old Testament text. I think that was a great text. If you, I don't know if I read it to give it justice, but it's telling us that the people just kind of left God. No matter what he tried to do, they just left him and just disobeyed him. And he's crying out as a parent, as a, as a friend, as a father, saying, why are you going this way? This whole idea of trust is a, is a, is a huge deal. But Scripture also says this about that trust, that if you trust God... The more you trust God, the more God will be able to meet the needs in your life. And the less you trust God, the less he'll be able to meet the needs in your life. In other words, Scripture is just saying that there's a faith factor involved. A lot of you have been going to church for a few weeks now, and you've heard the idea of faith, and you know that it's important. You know that we have to have faith in God, which is another way of saying that is trust in God. But it means it goes from your head knowledge, knowing some information, to actually believing it. It's like having a friend that you... Maybe intellectually know that you could probably trust, but you're just not ready to do it yet. I think that's where a lot of us are in our faith walk. But the Bible says that there's a faith factor involved. In, in Matthew 9:29, Jesus says it this way, According to your faith, your trust in me, it will be done to you. In other words, God says you get to choose how much I bless you in this life because it's according to your faith. You get to choose how many needs I meet in your life, again, because, it says, because it's according to your faith. And the more you trust me, the more I'll be able to meet your needs. And the less that you trust me, the less I'll be able to meet your needs. So the obvious question as we look at this stuff this morning is, how do we build our trust, our, our faith in God, so that He can begin to meet more and more of these needs in our life. You know, to take a look at that this morning, I want to take a look at two of the great uh, tests that God gives us. Because, you know, faith is an interesting substance, if you will. You don't get it by just sitting in a Bible study group. You don't even get it by coming to church every week and just sitting there. It, It just doesn't happen. You don't get it by just talking about it. You don't get it by just thinking and being hopeful and wishing. Because faith or trust or hope, they're all like a muscle. It means it develops by being used. And the more you use a muscle, the stronger it gets. And the more you use the little faith that you have, the stronger it gets. And the more it gets stretched. And the more stronger it gets then. And all of a sudden you start seeing God do incredible things in your life. And yet God wants us to trust in Him more and more. In fact, that's part of our faith walk. As He puts these things in our life that help us trust Him. And the things that He puts in our life we call trials. In First 1 Peter 1, 1.7 it says, These trials are only to test your faith to show it strong and pure. So the Bible tells us that like fire, when the heat's on, it, it purifies gold and silver. He puts things in our life, putting the heats on in our life. He has us go through the fiery trials of life it, it, so many times in order to refine our faith, in order to get us to trust Him. I think there's just a reality where, you know, everything is kind of wired up against us in, 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 in our society today. It's, it's hard to trust people, truly. And then we somehow we take that attitude toward God, and even though He says these remarkable things, it's hard for us to trust Him. You see that you see that every day when we do, the, or every Sunday when we do the offering. I mean, God makes these amazing promises in Scripture about about money, doesn't He? Money and self are probably the two God, biggest gods in our society. God rivals those, saying they're not really gods; they're just manifestations of yourself. But He says those are the two major gods that we struggle with back in the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and today. And so he makes all these amazing promises that if you put me first in the area of money, I will open up the storehouses of heaven and bless you. And yet we go through our daily lives. Money is one of the major gods, the thing that makes the world go round. We get nervous about it. We get stressed about it. We get anxious about it. We try to control things because we don't want to bring in God. And and it's no wonder we struggle. We don't ever put him first in that area to receive the blessing that he talks about. And so it's just an example, and I know nobody likes to hear about money, but it's a great example of where we know something and we know the promises and we know the blessings, but we struggle to do it. So today I want to take a a look at two of the most common trials that are out there today. And so whether you're going through these right now or not, I promise you to go through them over and over and over again as you go through life. But when you go through them the next time, at least you can know, hey, God's allowing these things for me in order for me to have an opportunity to develop my faith, my trust in Him so that He can bless me more. And so we start asking, what are these two trials or what are these two big things that He does? Well, the first one that He does is the pressure trial or the pressure test. The pressure test asks the question, how will I handle stress? A lot of us just hearing that question say, well, I will handle it poorly because that's what I keep doing. But the question really is this, will I depend upon myself when those stressful times come or will I depend on God? Because I'll either turn to other things or I'll turn to God in the midst of stressful situations in my life. In Psalm 50 verse 15, the psalmist writes, I want you to trust me in your times of trouble, says God, so that I can rescue you and you can give me glory. God says, I I want you to turn to me when the going gets tough, I want you to turn to me when you're in trouble. I don't want you to keep going to other things. Now, do we go to other things? Well, absolutely we do. In fact, God's usually number nine or ten on the list of things we try when we get under stress. For whatever reason, because we struggle at this trust thing, we try to solve all our problems by ourselves in order to not get God involved. We say, well, if we could just figure this all out, we'll do it. Let me give you some examples. Some people say, when I get under stress, I know what I need. I just need one of those little pills. And so I go to my medicine cabinet and I get that little pill so that I won't be stressed. But no, they're addictive and they don't last. Somebody else says, I know what I'll do. Uh, I'm all tense and I'm all nervous and I'm all stressed out about the problems, so I'll call my friend and I'll complain about my problems. So you call your friend and you begin to complain about your problems on the phone and you complain about the stress in your life and you hang up after hours of conversing with your friend who's a good friend or they wouldn't spend that much time with you listening to you complain about life, but you're still under stress even after all that time with an incredible friend. I know what I'll do. I'll make some nachos, says somebody else. So you make nachos and you nuke them in the microwave and you start eating and it's a huge amount of a plate and you, you finish them all and your tummy's full and you're pretty excited about the fact that your tummy's full. But once you're done, the problem's still there and so is the stress. I know what I'll do. I'll go shopping because when the going gets tough, the tough goes shopping, right? Or if you're a guy, I know what I'll do. I'll go and I'll watch a game and sit down and watch a game on TV. Maybe I'll even watch two or three and just veg out for the whole day. Or maybe I'll work out or I'll do something. We all have our little stress relievers that we try. And along about the ninth or tenth thing, we think, "Well, oh, none of this is working. Maybe I should pray. It's like the old story goes. The pastor said that to an elder and he says, oh, no, has it come to that? You know, do we have to pray now? The reality is we all have these legitimate needs in our life that need to be met. The problem is, though, I think so often is we get in a hurry with God. He's not moving fast enough. If God doesn't instantly meet our needs, then we make up our own plans. We make up our own ideas of what needs to come next. And so we try to meet our needs by ourselves. We do this all the time. We short-circuit God's will, God's plan, God's blessing in our life by going for the quick fix. But we do this literally all the time. We don't wait for God's will in our life very often. We have to move immediately. He didn't answer this afternoon, so I've got to make the decision tonight. You know, I've got to figure something out. Jeremiah 2.13, the the text that we read earlier, this was one of the lines in verse 13. It says, My people have done two evils. They have turned away from me the spring of living water, and they've dug their own wells, which are broken wells that cannot hold water. So imagine this. You're walking in the Sahara Desert. It's getting hot. I mean, the sun's out. All you see is sand everywhere. You don't know what to do. You're not even sure exactly where you're going, but you're walking And you're pretty sure if you don't get some water pretty quick, you're going to be done. There's no shade, your throat is parched, you're dying of thirst, your tongue is growing thick, and you think you're going to die. When all of a sudden you clear this last mound and you see this roadside sign like you see in Vegas. Arrows pointing down, reading this this, this verbiage. God's free, unlimited, everlasting, fulfilling, living water. And you think that's pretty cool, and so what do you do? You walk right up to it, and then you you kind of walk past it, and you go up to the guy standing there, and he says, hey, is there a shovel here? Because there must be water. And you take the shovel and you start digging your own well. It's hard for us. Nobody would actually think you could possibly do that, but that's what we do with our problems so often. And even worse than this, we have the, the audacity that as we're digging our well, because we don't want to rely on God, we ask God to bless the well that we're digging. Have you ever done that? absolutely you have you go out and you get in some relationship that you know is not god's will you know is wrong and you pray to god god bless this relationship or you go out and you spend money or and you buy things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like and you get overextended with credit you get deeply in debt and you say god bless my finances i made some bad decisions I had this financial need, but who got yourself in that financial need? You did. You've turned a desire, or at least you've tried to turn a desire into a need, but God didn't promise to bless your desires. He promised to bless your needs. You got overextended with things that you didn't need, and then prayed, bless, bless the way I'm going. We do that all the time. We pursue a sin, and then we get into some problems, or we, we do something we know is not quite right, we say, God, bless this, because, you know, we want to be happy. We get in a hurry. We figure out our own plan to meet our needs and ask God to bless the plan because it seems more expedient. But God doesn't work that way. God is not going to bless that relationship that you forced upon Him. God is not going to bless all those other plans that you forced upon Him. Some of you right now are struggling financially. You have financial pressure in your life. The temptation then is to cut corners because you don't want to go to God first so you try to figure it out yourself. To cut corners, to be unscrupulous, to stop tithing, to cheat on your taxes, to do unethical business deals. Anything you can figure out to get out of debt. You're building a well that isn't going to hold water, that isn't going to be blessed long term, but it's a quick fix. It's right now. I can control this, you say. But it doesn't solve the problem, and you know it doesn't. And so what's the antidote? Isaiah says, if you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, which is why sometimes we act, it says, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. You say, but that's hard to rely on God when He says things like that. It's hard to take it out of my own control and trust God's incredible blessing and His promises. I know that He's powerful, but I don't know if I believe that He's that powerful. See, God is going to see when you're under stress, are you going to turn to Him or are you going to turn to other things? And it's a test. And the test is, will you trust Him? There's another big test that we face all the time. There's many tests, but these are the top two, and that's the people test. See, God often uses people in our lives to test us and to stretch us and to develop our faith. And the test some goes something like this. How do you or how will you handle disappointment? Because life is disappointing lots of times. Things don't always turn out the way we planned them. Careers don't turn out the way we planned. Marriages don't always turn out the way we planned. Plans don't turn out the way we plan half the time. The fact is, is life is disappointing just a lot of the time. But the most disappointing thing by far in life are people. It's the thing that seems to complicate our lives more than anything else. Why do we get disappointed with people in our life? God says this is the reason. You get disappointed by people when you expect them to meet a need in your life that only God himself can meet. But we do this, don't we? We turn to a boyfriend or girlfriend, a father or mother, a husband or wife or friend, and you expect them to meet all your needs. This is the big... um, humor, I guess, when people get married, I got married, finally, they're going to meet all my needs, and then you find out pretty soon that your husband isn't equipped to meet all your needs, at least not in the way that you demand, so you start this project for him to figure out how to do that, or your wife isn't going to meet all the needs in the way that you had hoped, and you have to deal with that, the reality is that there's not a person alive that can meet all your needs, we're not God, we're human, and so as a result, we are messed up, and God never intended for anybody, anybody to meet all your needs, Nobody could possibly meet all your needs except for God. And when they let you down, we do this most comical thing. We blame them. <laughs> Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you helping me over here? Why don't you care about my struggle right here? Why aren't you paying attention? Why? I mean, it's always somebody else. There's a reason we're miserable. the reason we're disappointed. And it can never be us. So we set up these unrealistic demands on people in our life, these expectations that nobody could possibly fulfill, and then we blame them as if it's their fault but this too is a test. So many people have thought in the past, if I could just get married, then I would be fulfilled and satisfied. Then we get married and we say, if only my husband or wife could change, right? Then all my problems would be solved. If only my children were different, like the children next door, then I would be so contented. And on and on we have these excuses. If I just had different parents, life would have been so much greater, so much more grand. But your problem is not the people in your life. And the solution to your problem is not the people in your life. Let me just give you some examples. These are all things that we try to to fill with people. The answer to your insecurity is not another person. The answer to your inferiority as a person is not another person. The answer to your worries and your fears is not another person. The answer to your depression and despair and discouragement is not another person. The answer to your sense of failure is not another person. The answer to the meaninglessness in your life, to your lack of purpose, to the boredom in your life is not another person. God says there's only one thing that has ever been the answer to these struggles and it's Him. But when we expect other people to be our Savior, we're just setting ourselves up to be disappointed. The Bible says this in Isaiah 2, verse 22, you should stop trusting in people to save you. don't know why we do that. But he goes on, because people are only human. In other words, don't expect a person to be the answer to all your problems. It's not going to happen. And if you do that, you're just setting yourself up. I'm going to be disappointed. There's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one person in all the world that can do that, and it's Him. So stop expecting anyone or anything else to be your Savior. In Jeremiah seventeen seven it says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made Him, not other people, but Him, their hope and confidence. And then it says, what happens if you do this? Look at the promise in Isaiah 49, verse 23. Anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. And so do you know why we're disappointed? Because we are trusting in other things besides God. It's just the reality of it. And I'm just saying it so that we can all put a finger on it. In fact, any time you are disappointed, it's a warning light that you have trusted something else for your happiness besides God. It's a big red light that says your values have somehow been confused or, or misplaced, but it's a test. It's the people test. So how are you going to handle the disappointments that come to you in this life? Are you going to just start griping and complaining and crying and grieving and worrying? That's what the people of Israel did. Or are you going to accept that God knows what's best in your life? We know that it's true. Well, we trust that it's true. That God has a loving plan for your life, that He has purpose for your life, that God loves you, that He knows what you need more than you do, and maybe this final one that He's ultimately still in control. And that even the disappointments in life have a positive purpose, whether we can see it or not, because God is still working all things for our good. Again it comes back to this idea that it's a test. Are you going to trust God with the disappointments in your life or or not? See, the Bible says again, anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. And that's a promise, right? And so when you depend on Christ, when you're under stress, and when you trust God's plan, when you're disappointed, God says two things will always be true. I will meet all your needs if you trust me. And I will give you eternal rewards in heaven if you believe in me. And God says, I promise you with those two things, you will never ever be disappointed. My encouragement today is, hey, look, you know, Sunday morning is kind of like I'm the cheerleader and I'm sharing stuff with you that you already know. You know that God's amazing. You know that God loves you. You know that you're forgiven. And I get up here and I try to challenge you in different areas just to make you think and to process and to maybe take it more seriously. But one of our greatest weaknesses is trusting God's word, believing in its truth, and letting it affect our life. My prayer this morning is that you would begin to let God do that. That you begin to let him transform you from the inside out. And all God's people said, Amen.